Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd, back with you. Um, we're gearing up for Easter, I'm sure you are too. And so that's a time to reflect on the reality of the resurrection and its implications for us. Like, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, what does that mean for me today? How does that give me perspective? How does that give me hope? How does that change my life and give me encouragement? Um, the resurrection of Jesus is a game changer. It changes everything for us. It changes our perspective. It changes our hope. It changes how we think about things that are not so good in this world. Because the resurrection is a promise of renewal. It's a promise of a new world. It's a promise of new life. It's a promise of um, healing. And I hope that you see that in this passage. Because this passage really that we're about to read in First Peter is all about the hope that the resurrection secures for us? How does the resurrection secure hope for us? How does that influence how we live? How does that change things? Um, how does that change things for the frustrating circumstances I'm in right now? So let's see. Um, this is 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Peter writes, Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was real to them they, they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So Peter ends this section by talking about the resurrection and how it gives us hope and how it secures for us a bright future. Well, he began this book, really, by reflecting on the resurrection of Jesus. So, in chapter 1, verse 3, he says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is a promise of renewal. It's a promise of hope. It's a promise of a better, fuller, more meaningful life. And I think we'll see that here. I want to look at three things that Peter mentions that give us hope. Uh through the resurrection, three ways the reality of Jesus rising from the dead changes things for us, changes our perspective, changes our hope, changes our views about the future and the situations we find ourselves in. So here we go. Uh, the first one is that the resurrection reminds us that glory often follows suffering. Glory for followers of Jesus often follow suffering. So you see that in verse 11. Look at verse 11. Um, he says, they inquired, he's talking about the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come through Jesus, through the resurrection. These prophets inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Jesus is the ultimate example of how glory often 
follows suffering. Um, and by the way, Peter's saying that the prophets of the Old Testament, that their the focus of their of their message was so often this one about suffering, about redemptive suffering. It's not suffer. There's a difference between um, suffering and redemptive suffering, right? Um, a lot of times it feels like the suffering in our life has no point. There's no point to it. It's totally just painful and awful. And, and I would never suggest to you that suffering is something that we should want or um, desire. But what Peter is saying is that there is a type of suffering that is redemptive. And that's the type of suffering Jesus underwent. He chose, Jesus chose to go through the cross because of the glory that was set before him. He looked forward to how his suffering would be redeemed. In other words, it was resurrection, the reality of future resurrection, that was able to give Jesus the hope and the strength he needed to endure the suffering of the cross. So, um, all this to say, like the current suffering you're facing right now, the current frustrating circumstances you're going through, whatever's like really unpleasant and difficult and frustrating in your life right now is not the end of the story for you. And in fact, there might be a redemptive purpose for it. But whether or not there is a redemptive purpose you can see or not, here's what we have the hope of. The resurrection tells us that like that present frustrating circumstance is temporary. There's coming a day when Jesus will make all things new and he will make all things right. And whatever it is that you're going through right now is not, is not the end. It's not the end. That's really good news, right? The next thing that I think we see here is that Jesus invites us to a life of meaning and purpose. We see this in verse 18. Uh, Peter writes, For you uh, know that you redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. So Peter says you're redeemed out of an empty way of living. He's speaking to pagans, uh, in, or former pagans, right? The, the churches in Asia Minor were made up of people predominantly, were mostly Gentile, were mostly, in other words, not Jewish, and mostly from pagan families. And so Peter's saying God is, it has done this amazing work of bringing formerly pagan people to find a real and living and lasting hope. And, and you know, if you were a pagan person, um, let's put ourselves in the shoes of a pagan person in um, Asia Minor in Peter's day. When I say pagan, I just mean they had multiple gods, right? But this is sort of the, the pagan mentality of oftentimes of these, you know, Greek gods is that, you know, you were trying to appease them so that they would give you a good life. Um, you didn't necessarily love these gods or um, desire them uh, like they they didn't think of the gods as something they had like a close personal relationship with but you feared the gods because you didn't want your life to go poorly um, and oftentimes if there bad things happen in your life it was like well I must not have done enough to appease the gods um, you know it's kind of like like an overbearing father who's never happy with what you do that's kind of in a lot of ways how people viewed God back then and Peter says, um, through Jesus, you've been redeemed from feeling like you never measure up to God. You've been redeemed from having a life that feels like it's pointless because you can never do enough, because you're always just scrambling to make, make the gods happy. Um, because here's the reality of the gospel. Um, those who've trusted Jesus know that God is pleased with them because he's pleased with Jesus, right? Jesus has been obedient in our place. We don't have to worry 
about whether or not God loves us. In fact, the cross is final proof that he does love us and he does accept us. Um, all right, so that's another reality that the resurrection secures for us. And then the next thing that we see is that the the, the resurrection is an invitation to a holy life. Um, so we see that very clearly in this passage by what by what Peter calls us to in verse 14. He says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. Um, so the resurrection is a call to holiness. Once we understand that Jesus suffered and died and rose again on our behalf, we're called to live like resurrected people, like people who have been cleansed of sin and, and been raised out of, like, like, like baptism, out of the waters of baptism into a new way of thinking and living. Um, so I want to pause for a minute and just say, like, look, I recognize that holiness is something that we don't often understand or get. And when we do think about it, we think of a call to a holy life as like kind of boring. Like probably a call to a holy life is a call to miss out on a lot of things that would otherwise otherwise be really fun and interesting. Um, that's not what Peter means here. In fact, a call to a holy life is a call to a richer life, a life of meaning and substance. Um, Remember, Peter said we're redeemed from the empty ways, like the pointless empty ways, but we're called to a life that's actually going to make the world a better place. Like you're called to be a real ingredient, a real, um, to re make a real difference in the kingdom of Christ that is being established, right? You're called to be a real part of a real kingdom, and it really matters. Um, how, how will you embrace that call today? How will you live out your identity in Jesus? How will you um, see holiness as not a killjoy, but as an opportunity um, to make a difference? That's, that's what's really, you know, we think of holiness as like missing out on fun. You know what's really fun is making a difference in the lives of others, uh, being a blessing to others, uh, making a difference for uh, the sake of, of, of the people around us, pointing them to the hope, the eternal hope, and the meaningful life that is readily available to them in Jesus, and participating in the work of redemption and renewal that God is doing in the world. You're invited to that through the resurrection of Jesus. You're invited to participate in that today. What would that look like for you? Um, thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week.